August uh, has always been a challenging month for me, and uh, generally it's been the, in my days, my 30-some-odd years in football, those are the dog days of football. Anyone who's played football knows August is challenging. That's when you, had, in high school, you used to call it Hell Week. In, in college football or pro football, we call it training camp, where we get away for two, three weeks, and we have multiple practices. And it's hot. The days are long. It's tedious, it's monotonous. You wake up doing the same thing over and over, day after day. And when I was a player at USC, at the University of Southern California, we used to have three practices a day, and, to, and then to let our bodies and our minds recover, the next day we had two, and then we'd go three, two, three, two. Oh my goodness. So we were out there in the sun all day, and it was a grind. And, and things have backed off over the years, and football, things, football has gotten more kinder, uh, kinder I, I would say, and uh, they don't have those uh, three, two days, and even two days anymore, but, but still monotonous. It's still hot. August is still challenging. And in order to combat this, when, I, when we were at the Seahawks, we would invite guest speakers to come in, and guest speakers who would be able to speak similar things that our coaching staff was trying to tell the players, but give them the extra motivation, give them a, a picture of what excellence looks like. And so that we would invite these speakers. But one year, we had a speaker that I haven't forgotten, and really I, I believe he had the attention of the whole team. And you got to keep in mind, in the football, professional football team, um, you got a room full of uh, confident people, pretty self-assured people. So who you bring up needs to be able to capture the attention of the, of the team. And this man did that. Clint Bruce is his name. Clint Bruce. You may be asking, who is that, Pastor? Clint Bruce happens to be a Christian. And, and, and during our talks, we didn't have only Christians come, but so when a Christian did come, it, of course I perked up. I said, oh, Clint Bruce is a Christian. How could I tell? Well, he was using such words as, I'm so blessed. We're here to serve others. We need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Hmm, that sounds like what, how a Christian would sound like. So I asked him after the talk, hey, man, are you a Christian? He goes, I am. <laughs> that fired me up. But Clint Bruce, a little bit more about him is that he went to the Annapolis, the Naval Academy, and played football there and had some years playing some time in the NFL as a football player as well. But when his playing days were over, he transitioned to becoming a Navy SEAL. Well, you may be asking, what is a Navy SEAL? Navy SEAL is probably one of the elite soldiers or fighters or warriors around the world. I mean, pound for pound, you could match up a Navy SEAL with many elite fighting forces. And uh, he was a part of a group called SEAL Team 5. SEAL Team 5 is an elite group of SEAL team members deployed to do very dangerous missions. And SEAL Team 5 is based at a Coronado in, in San Diego, and they're deployed at a Coronado. And SEAL Team 5 served uh, pre and post 9-11. And SEAL Team 5 was involved with a lot of uh, anti-terrorism and matters of national security. So what they would do is get in a mini-sub, go someplace. A small group of men would get deployed into foreign lands. They do what they need to do, and then they come back home, hopefully. And they would have massive global impact without even being known. And this, instead of having a full-scale war, you have small groups go out and do incredibly dangerous missions. 
And his message to the team was this. Clint would talk about like adversity needs to be appreciated. You need to embrace adversity, hard times. And in order to, be, to do this well, you need to be clear about what your mission was about. And he, this is a quote. If you don't know the why, you won't be able to handle the what's that, that comes your way, the what's or the adversities. So if, if you, in other words, if you're not clear what you're to do, what, why I'm here as a Navy SEAL, when hard things come up, when the training gets tough, when hostile forces are upon you, or when you're asked to, commanded to go to a dangerous situation, if you're not clear about your why about being a naval seal, the what's will become bigger and then you'll tap out. And so when we understand the why is of our lives, we're able to see adversity as a friend and it actually helps us. So I went through, I, I'm talking through this because I think this is going to set the context of when we read Matthew 28. Today's scripture reading is going to be out of Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And so our Lord does something similar. He has a, a briefing with his 11 disciples and maybe other disciples, but clearly the 11 disciples are there. And our Lord is giving his marching orders, and they have their rendezvous point where they meet up in Galilee up in the mountaintop. And now our Lord is making it clear what their mission is. And they're going to be deployed. A small band of brothers are going to be deployed to change the world as we know it. So let's turn to Matthew 28, 16 to 20. I'll be reading of the NASB version. And let's rise as we honor God and God's word as we read the word, if you're able to, from no matter where you're at. God sees <laughs> the opportunity to honor him. But, so let's keep, read Matthew, 18, uh, Matthew 28, 16 to 20 with this in mind. Jesus is briefing his disciples and sending them out on a mission. Matthew 28, 16, God's word says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated, the rendezvous point. Verse 17, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I mean, the commander-in-chief, the Lord is saying. Verse 19, here's the marching orders. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And here's the good news. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we'll be clear of what our mission is, Lord, and we will know what discipleship is all about. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. We took a week to talk about what does it mean that all authority has been given to Jesus. And in essence, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. In, in other words, if he says something, we listen and we obey. There is no choice as Christians. We are called to obey what our Lord has called us to do. And we took another week last week to explain and teach on what does it mean to be a disciple, a follower of Christ, a learner. And our job, our mission in life individually is to become more like Christ. Now Jesus gives us the why, the Great Commission. Jesus tells us why we exist on this earth. And 
And it is to make disciples, and which is and what we're going to call it discipleship. So today, the big theme of the message is discipleship. What is discipleship? That's the question we're going to look to answer through the sermon. So point number one, what is discipleship? Discipleship is about relationships. Discipleship is about relationships. Keep in mind, Christianity is a very communal uh, 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 thing. The family of God, the flock of God, the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, all group, group activities, group functions. It's a very communal experience and therefore requires genuine relationships within the body. Clint Bruce will go on to describe the difference between teams and tribes. And I was thinking, hmm, teams, we're a team here. And, but he was trying to elevate us to what it means to be a tribe. So what he, what he meant by what is a team? Teams are a collection of people who may have a loose agreement on what the why is. And they may have a shallow connectivity to one another and a shallow connectivity to the why. That's a team. In essence, he said, anyone could form a team. But he goes, now on the other hand, a tribe. What is a tribe? Tribes have one clear conviction. Tribes share the same why. Every member of the tribe share the same why. All tribal members have total willingness to submit to the bigger why. All right? Tribes also must learn how to repeat the why over and over. How do you reproduce what you're supposed to do over and over and over and over? As a Navy SEAL team member, they need to reproduce what they're to do over and over. Different missions, different, different scenarios, different contingency plans needed to be able to reproduce the whys, why they existed. Therefore, on tribes, the tribal members are in deep relationship with one another. And that's what tribes are about. And as they're in deep relationship with one another, these relationships were meant to help one another stay true to the why. That's a tribe. That's a tribe. And so how did Jesus make disciples? Let's take a look here. Verse 16 says that he used a small tribe of disciples to change the world. Let's look at verse 16. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. There are 11 disciples. He didn't have hundreds or thousands of followers with him. He chose 12 disciples. One of them proved to be a false disciple. So now there's 11. Judas tapped out. He showed that he wasn't a true disciple. And Jesus even had three closer ones within his tribe, Peter, James, and John. And, but Jesus did everything with these 11, 12 disciples. He did everything. He did life with them. Let me show you what, what I mean by that. They traveled together. They ate together. They rested together. 
They played together. They did ministry together. They, they heard Jesus preach. They were preaching. They saw, they, heard, they saw Jesus perform incredible miracles to prove that he was the Messiah. Jesus gave them power as apostles to, to do incredible miracles to prove that they're apostles of Christ. They trained together. Jesus taught them. They even asked questions to one another, the disciples, to learn what it means to be a follower of Christ. And they went through life's ups and downs together. They experienced the excitement of seeing miracles together. They saw the excitement of people coming to Christ. They saw the lows of people walking away from Christ. They saw the lows of persecution. So they've seen the ups and downs of life. And that's how Jesus formed their tribe, the tribe of disciples. So what is it? What is discipleship? I'm going to borrow a quote that one of our friends of our churches, Pastor Chris Mueller from Faith Bible Church in Murrieta, who our staff has a clinic, been consulted with, and he's been an incredible help. Godly man who has a passion for discipleship. This is what he calls what discipleship is. Being in intentional relationships for becoming more like Christ. That's how we're going to see it here at Evergreen. What does it mean to be in discipleship? We're involved with one another in intentional relationships for becoming more like Christ, the head. And our Lord knew he had only three years with these 11, the 11 that he's going to deploy like a Navy uh, SEAL group to change the world. He had only three years, so he had a sense of urgency. He had a sense of purpose as he's training and discipling his men. And basically, he was very intentional about preparing them for the mission at hand. And right here, Jesus, in Matthew 28, is deploying them for their great mission. And this small tribe of men, which eventually changed the world. And so, point number one was discipleship is about relationships. Point number two, what is discipleship? Discipleship is our mission. In no unclear terms, our Lord in verse 19 says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples is the main verb in, in verse 19 and 20. And this is what we're called to do. What is discipleship? To make disciples, other followers and learners of Jesus Christ. Very clear. And let me start with, see, first of all, that the, the Great Commission is a charge. This is not an optional thing. This is not done by the elites, the Navy SEALs of our church, okay? This is, we're all been enlisted in this mission, the Great Commission. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a genuine Christian, we're part of this. And this is the why we exist. Make disciples. This is the why where God left us on his green earth to do while we're still living. You have to ask yourself, well, if God saved me to go to heaven, why didn't he just pluck me up right away and take me to heaven the moment I became a Christian? Well, it's because Jesus has a job for us. Jesus has a mission for us. It's to go out and make disciples. This is our purpose in life. In no unclear terms, this is where the trajectory of our life is headed towards. Are we helping to make more disciples for Christ? Now, discipleship is simple, but it's not simplistic. Let me make it clear here. There's two arms of what discipleship is about. 
The first arm is about evangelism. As Pastor Ron talked about, how beautiful are his feet and other feet that bring good news, the gospel message. What is the gospel message? The gospel message is this, that Jesus is Lord. And Jesus, being God, died for us, paid the penalty of our sin on the cross so that God could treat you, me, those who trusted Christ as our, as our Lord and Savior, as sons and daughters. And basically, we're called to repent, turn away from our sin, turn away from following other things, and to follow Jesus as Lord. That's the gospel message. So, the, so evangelism, in order for someone to become like Christ, they have to come to Christ first. That's the first arm of discipleship. The second arm is about edification, evangelism, edification. You may be asking, Pastor, what does edification mean? That means to build up. We're called to build up one another. We're called to help each other become more fit like Christ, to become more like Christ. We're, help, we're called to train up one another to become more like Christ. Remember, disciples are followers of Christ. And hope, I was encouraged this week because some people from our church family reached out to me and they said they were able to watch uh, the documentary called American Gospel, Christ Alone, which chronicles a false gospel that America has been told for many decades. And now we're, we're understanding what is the gospel that Jesus Christ is Lord. Two arms of di uh, discipleship, evangelism and edification. And so we're going to get more into this and we're going to find out what, how did Jesus charge us to make disciples? And in, this, in these verses, verse 19 and 20 in Matthew 28, we, we clearly talked about the main verb, the main action verb is to make disciples. Now, our Lord gives us three participles, three words that support how to go about doing it. Go, right? Baptizing and teaching. These are the three, th three ways that our Lord charges us on how to make disciples. So let's start off with our first uh, charger. How does Jesus charge us to make disciples? Number one, as you are going. As you are going. Verse 19 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. That word go carries a lot of meaning. Is it, is it simply just to go someplace? It does carry the meaning where we have to be active. We have to be proactive in going to make disciples, but it also carries the big meaning of as you are going or having gone. As you are going through life, look to make disciples. It's a way of life. No matter what stage of life we're in, we could be in junior high school, we could be in high school, we could be college, post-college, we could be in the middle midst of raising kids, we could be in the stage of being a grandparent. We're looking for opportunities to see who might be interested in the things of God. Discipleship is clearly a way of life. I remember when I was coaching, I was constantly looking for people that may be interested in the things of God. And I was praying, God, allow me to pray for somebody. You know, going through the training room where people are recovering from injuries, hey, can I pray for you? And just praying for them. Talk, looking and, and for conversations where people will be wanting to talk about the things of God, 
And we enter into those conversations. As we're just going through things, and, and people may be going through some adversity, hey, you know what the Bible has to say about adversity? Let me tell you. Or just straight up, just sharing the gospel as the Lord might put an unction in my heart to just preach the gospel to somebody. As you're going through life, we're looking. What kind of relationships has God given us to steward? I'll just give you, that was just an illustration from my coaching context. There were a lot of relationships that God gave me. Now, here's some common relationships that God perhaps has given many in our church family to steward. For example, if you are married or even thinking about getting married, another word for marriage is discipleship. So, sister, if you're thinking about marrying somebody, ask yourself, can this man help me to become more like Christ? Same thing, brother. If you're thinking about marrying another sister, thinking, you think to yourself, can this sister help me love and become more like Christ? If we're already in marriage, like, like I am with Sharla, you're, we're locked in. Well, that's the good news. We don't have to worry about that part anymore. Now we can zero in on our wives. Are we helping our wives? Are we helping our husbands become more like Christ? That is a discipleship relationship. If we're parents or even thinking about having children someday, the goal of parenting is to raise up children who love Christ. It's, in other words, it's discipleship. Parenting is discipleship. If you're a grandparent, you may be one generation removed from the little ones, but you store a, a mom or dad to your adult children discipleship. Help them to become more like Christ. And then as you relate to your grandchildren, yes, let's have a good time. Well, yes, let's, uh, let's spoil them have a, and, 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 and be the one who brings a lot of joy into the grandchildren's lives. But make sure that they remember you as the godly grandmother or grand, godly grandfather. It's discipleship. Even fellowship here at Evergreen SGV, another word for that is discipleship. We're meant to be in relationships to help each other become more like Christ. Let me just uh, address this uh, charge here even more. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. Jesus calls us to make disciples of all the nations. Let's turn to Acts 1.8. I'll be turning in my Bible to Acts 1.8. This is right before Jesus ascends back into heaven. But Acts 1.8, Jesus says to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the remotest part of the earth, the ends of the earth. And I was, as I was studying this, Acts 1.8, the idea of concentric circles came into my mind. What is a concentric circle? That means you have an epicenter, you have a starting point, and there's a circle, a ring that goes around that, and a wider ring, and then the wider ring, and then the widest ring around it. And so our Lord, I believe, is giving us a, a, a visual right here. Jerusalem, what, was, what did Jerusalem have to do with the people of the Bible while well, the disciples were in Jerusalem? And so Jesus says, start out, be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in the most familiar of all places. So how does that relate to us today? What is our Jerusalem? It's our homes. Are we making disciples in our homes, in our, in our marriages, in our parenting, in other relationships involved with our home? 
This is the most familiar of all spheres of influences that we have. In our church home, this is our Jerusalem, are we actively involved in discipleship relationships here at Evergreen SGV? And then other natural friendships that you may have. This is our Jerusalem. And then Jesus goes on to say, in all Judea. Judea was still familiar, but more removed from Jerusalem for the disciples. These were still fellow Jews, so they were familiar in that way, but a little bit less familiar than their Jerusalem. So for us, these are familiar faces, familiar arenas. This is our schools, our workplaces, our gyms, or even our neighborhoods. Perhaps during this COVID-19 time, You've been biking more, you've been walking more, and you're starting to see neighbors. Hey, how you doing? I live on uh, 2427, where do you live? Oh, you're, oh, you're neighbors to me. Perhaps the Lord is opening up opportunities for you to meet people. There's no doubt that's happened to us, meeting people on the street on my jogs and bike rides and things like that. That's our Judea. And then the Bible in Acts 1.8 says, to be witnesses in Samaria. Samaria is even more removed from Judea for the disciples. These were foreign people. These, these were Samaritans. So these were less familiar people, and geographically, they're further. So what is our Samaria? Our Samaria, brothers and sisters, may be less familiar to things such as the entire San Gabriel Valley, the SGV. God put us right in the middle of the San Gabriel Valley. Look at the map. 16 to 605, we are basically right in the middle of this great valley called the San Gabriel Valley. And perhaps the Lord is calling us to cross color lines and cross cultural lines and enter into conversations with people that we're not as familiar with. So you see how that starts out from the middle, home, wider, wider, and then our Lord finishes off to the remotest part of the earth, to the ends of the earth. Another way is to say to the ends of the earth. These are foreign lands like Japan, China, Africa, other places that we may go to. But notice, our Lord started off with Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Our core needs to be strong. Our epicenter needs to be strong here at Evergreen SGE. We need to have a strong culture of discipleship before we can start sending people out to the ends of the earth. Okay, do we have a strong cultural discipleship? Because we do desire to send out our best. We want to send out people, man, you've been faithful here. I can see you actively involved in discipleship. You're discipling people. You're getting discipled. Man, if you go to Japan, I think you're going to be faithful too. It doesn't make sense to say, I don't really see you involved in discipleship and actively involved in intentional relationships to become like Christ, to send you to Japan. And in essence, if you're faithful here, you have a better chance of being faithful there. So we're focusing in here at Evergreen SGV on getting our home in order, our house in order. All right, let's go to this next point here. How does Jesus charge us to make disciples? Number two, by baptizing. Point number two, baptizing. Verse 19 says this. Baptizing, back to Matthew 28, 19, excuse me. Matthew 28, 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptize carries the word of total immersion. That means you're completely saturated. So think of a, a white cloth that's completely dipped 
in a purple dye. You pull it out, it's just immersed, saturated. It's, it, it takes on a different marking, different color. And this is emblematically what happens to Christians when we're baptized. Basically, we're saying, I'm all in for Christ. And so baptism is a symbol of union with Christ. Romans 6 says this, our old self has been crucified and buried with Christ, but our new self has been raised to life and resurrected with Christ. That's the symbol of baptism. And perhaps right now, you, it's been stirring in your heart to be baptized. Contact us. We would love to walk with you during this process because if you are a follower of Christ, we're commanded to be baptized. Here it is. And what baptism also would entail is this. You're basically completely identifying with Christ. He is who defines you now. And he is who you're unified with. In the Bible, in this baptismal formula, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not only are we in union with Christ, we're in union with the triune God, the Godhead. So baptism is an important sacrament our Lord calls us to do to symbolize our all-in commitment with God. Going back to Clint Bruce, he talked about what a tribal person is. Okay, we're talking about tribes. We're trying to form tribes uh, according to Clint Bruce. And tribal persons have a foundational awareness, foundational awareness. What is that foundational awareness? Tribal people understand I am a part of something bigger than myself. Let me say that again. Tribal people clearly understand I am a part of something bigger than myself. In other words, you can't be your own why, he would say. And because if I'm the, only, I'm the reason, I'm the why, there's no way I will be able to endure as much adversity or pain or hardship if it was just all about me. And that's what we talked about where the American gospel was talking about it's a man-centered theology. No, the true gospel is a Christ-centered theology. It's about God. Because if it's just about us, we'll drop the rope when it gets too hard. When it's about us, when persecution comes our way, we'll be like, no, 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 that, that ain't for me. If it's just about us, when it could affect diff difficult, uh, start up difficult relationships and discipleship, no, 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 I ain't going to get into that arena. That's why tribal people are in relational connection to the tribe. I mean, it's critical. And these relationships, relationships are centered around each, helping each other be faithful to the why. We share our gifts with one another. We share our scars and our hurts with one another. We warn one another. We encourage one another. So we need one another to be elite. This is what the tribal mindset uh, is like. So as disciples and followers of Christ... We know we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. Absolutely. Number one, we're in union with the Godhead. We're part of God, if you can imagine that. We're part of Christ, and he allows us to be in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. We're part of the Trinitarian love relationship with God. That's one. And since we're part of Christ, the head, we're in union with his body. We're part of something much, much bigger than ourselves. So in this, as 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 we're talking about what it means to be in relationship in this in discipleship, are we in intense relationships with a brotherhood and sisterhood? 
Are we immersed in the local fellowship? The Bible describes in the New Testament 50 plus times how disciples are to relate to one another, in particular the local church. And let me just read you some of them. We're called to be devoted to one another. We're called to honor one another. We're called to have the same mind with one another. We're called to build each other up. We're called to admonish one another. We're called to bear with one another. We're called to speak the truth to one another. We're, we're called to comfort one another when we're going through hard times. We're called to pray for one another. We're called to encourage one another, stimulate one another. See how this works? It's very tribal. It's very, this is how the family of God works. We're in it with one another. And this is not a solo mission, brothers and sisters. We're not called to do discipleship alone. There's not just one discipler. Remember, here's a warning. Here's a warning. Listen to this warning here. We're not to make disciples of ourselves. What do you mean by that? Well, my role here at Evergreen SGV is not to make disciples of Rocky. You don't want that. If you're a parent, your role is not to make little mini-me's of yourself. That's not it. And this is why. Because you might, hear me now, you might pass on your strengths. But you also will pass on your weaknesses too if it's just a one-on-one -on -one discipleship. That's it. The goal, remember, is to make disciples of Christ. We want to we have people become like Christ, not like me. Now, just like Pastor Ron or Marcus, we want to be like Christ. So we need one another in the entire body of Christ, in the local body, to present a fuller picture of what Christ looks like. We may not get exactly perfectly Christ, but we'll get much more, much more fuller of a picture when everyone contributes their gifts and their passions and their talents and their personalities and their strengths and their weaknesses to present a fuller picture of Christ. So discipleship is a whole church effort. It's a very communal effort where we need one another to become more like our Lord. Let's go to the next point. How does Jesus charge us to make disciples? Number three, teaching. Verse 20 says this, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Discipleship is clearly more than about evangelism. All right? When someone comes to Christ, they're a newborn baby. We, when we, ha when we uh, are able to have babies, I've been in the room four times, and whenever the, our, one of our babies was born, we didn't just leave them there and just say, okay, welcome to the world, you're on your own. No, 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 no. It was a very careful process. Swaddling, remember that, guys? Feeding, diaper changes, remember all that, right? And all that. We have to care for them, carry them. And remember that first card ride home as you click them into the car seat and you're, that was probably the most careful uh, drive uh, that you ever had in your life? That's the process when we have, uh, help bring people to Christ or babies. We're, now our job is to teach them and to help them grow to become more like Christ. Edification. Okay, the Bible says in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is Jesus praying to the Father. Sanctification is another way of saying build them up, make them more holy, set them apart. Edification means to build each other up. 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 says that every word of God is inspired. And, and, and 
our Lord calls us to have the Bible being central to everything that we do in discipleship, teaching one another the truth. Right here in Matthew 28, teaching them to observe all that I command you, to obey. The Lord doesn't call us to just learn about the word, but to obey the word, right? And so, but here's a warning though. As I was praying and going through this preparation of the sermon, here's a warning that came to my mind. It's not just about doing. It's not just about doing. Because some of us may be gravitating towards that. Like, all right, what do I got to do? Let me get it done. I got that done. And that's good to be a doer, but it's not just about doing. Here are some points I want to point out. Obedience without relationship to Christ is legalism. All right? That means you just become a Pharisee if you're just trying to obey without any relationship for Christ and for one another. You just become a legalist. You, you, you're a Pharisee. Moral living without relationship with Christ is just moralism. I just want to be a good guy. I just want to be a nice guy. Right? Surely that's enough. No, it's not. That's just man, man's own religion. Wise living without relationship with Christ is just pragmatism. I just want to be a pragmatic. I, I just want to do things that work and have good results. That's not it. These, all these forms are not part of true religion. These are all part of false religion. It's man's effort. Therefore, our, our goal is to go deeper in relationship with Jesus. So when we study the scriptures, when we teach the scriptures, what is our aim? Is it simply to get people to do what they don't want to do? Or is it to move them into a deeper knowledge with the truth, Jesus Christ himself? See, hear this out, brothers. The deeper knowledge of the truth leads us to having a deeper relationship with the truth and which ultimately leads us to having a deeper obedience to the truth. It's about relationship. So when we study the scriptures, when we preach the word, it's just what it's about to elevate our relationship with Christ. This is what I hope you could notice, brothers and sisters, that from this pulpit is radiating the word of God. That's my hope and prayer, that God's word is being preached by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then eventually the branches are preaching and raiding and teaching the word of God. And then the college groups and then the youth groups and all the other groups and then in any other intentional relationships that we have, the word is being ministered to. And I, I, I believe it starts here. It starts here with the power of the pulpit where the word needs to be preached with power and conviction so that in smaller tribes we're able to minister the word. And the goal, as my brother and friend Chris Mueller would say, is bringing people under the authority of the Scriptures. Is your life under the authority of the Scriptures, the Word of God? You love Jesus so much. You know him so well that that's how you live your life, under the authority of his Word. Now let me just take a little bit of a time out here. That was a mouthful. This is a, discipleship is an all-consuming thing. Discipleship calls us to get into very uncomfortable spaces relationally. Discipleship is talking about a complete mindset, a complete way of life. This is why I'm here, right? And that's the why. The, the Great Commission is very clear. The why is to go out and make disciples. It's hard. 
go baptize and teach. It's, it's very clear what we're called to do. But it's expensive. It's messy. Sometimes it gets messy as you get into lives and and, and we all, me included, we, we, we have struggle with temptation and sin. We're battling that. Fight is on for all of us, me included. And so it gets messy if you get into those relationships. It's a lot safer. If safety is your top priority in life, you're not going to be in discipleship. You're not going to be obedient, follower of Christ. Because this is not a safe place to go. Relationships get hard. You could get accused of stuff. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time away from your family even. This is not the safest endeavor. This, this, is, this mission plan that we've been deployed on is not the safest. We're in our mini subs and we're being, we've been deployed to get a mission done. And we're, and, and we're called, just like these 11 disciples were, to a small tribe of disciples to change the world? What? Right? I mean, is this mission impossible? Like, what is this all about? Well, I'm going to go one step further here. And we're not going to stop at the why. The why is very clear. We're called to make disciples in no unclear terms. That is the why. That's why we exist. But the why is not enough. The why is not enough. Let's go one step further. Clint Bruce goes on to describe the tribal person understands this. To do anything bigger than me, I need something more than me. Let me say that again. The tribal person says this. To do anything bigger than me, I need something more than me. So more important than the why Here's the good news, is the who. More important than the why is the who. And that brings us to our final point. Discipleship is about relationships. Relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the who that matters. And in verse 20, at the end, it says, And lo! Our Lord says, hold on now. I know I give you a mouthful. I know I give you a charge that's making your knees shake. But lo, hold on now. Here's the good news. Lo, I am with you always, the Bible says. Even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the good news. Christ is with us and we're in relationship with him. Romans 8 says that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing, not even death itself, could separate us from the love of God. Acts 1.8 at the beginning says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power to accomplish this job, this mission of the Great Commission. First John talks about eternal life is to know him. Paul in Philippians says his goal in life is to know him more, to know Christ more. Relationship, relationship is at the heart of discipleship. And it starts off with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts with him and it ends with him. Matthew 28, 18 says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Matthew 20, 
820 at the end says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It starts with Christ, ends with Christ. Discipleship is about relationships. Now let's apply this to Evergreen SGV here. It's critical that we do this. So, so this is not just a sermon that goes, wow, that was encouraging, Pastor. We're actually called to respond to this great commission. Since we are submitted, totally submitted to the who, that's Jesus, we're called to be submitted to the why. That's the great commission to make disciples. My prayer is that discipleship will be the central theme of Evergreen SUV. Write that down. Discipleship is the central theme of Evergreen SUV. The goal is to establish a strong culture of discipleship here at Evergreen where you can feel it, you can touch it, you can see it, see it, you can taste it. It's everywhere. Where the desire is to have everyone who considers Evergreen SJV their home to be in intentional relationships with one another for becoming more like Christ. Intentional, that means there's a purpose. Relationships, that means we know each other. We're doing life together. What's the purpose? For becoming more like Christ, becoming more Christ-like. And I think I'll get a sense that it's happening when some things get more normalized. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, when just church restoration just takes place, you know, on interpersonal levels, and we just help each other maintain holiness, we combating sin, lovingly combat sin with one another. When church restoration is just a normal part of our life, I think it'll be that'd be a symbol, a sign that we are, in fact, having discipleship as a central theme of our church. Second thing that comes to my mind is when biblical literacy just rises through the roof where everyone is involved in studying the scriptures, like the noble Bereans, we're studying the word of God, we're teaching the word of God to one another. Remember this, you may be thinking, Pastor, you know, you know so much of the Bible, you, you have a passion for the word, I don't know as much, and so I'm not very useful in this way. Well, find someone that knows less and teach them what you know. Start there. If you're a parent, start there. Start there. But I think a very important characteristic for a church to really recognize is when will I know that discipleship is a central theme of Evergreen SGV? I'm going to speak to the men now. When the men lead, when the men are actively involved in the discipleship process, when men are leading their wives, when men are leading their homes and their children, where men are leading and mobilizing, organizing, and teaching the Word of God to one another here at Evergreen SGV. Men, God has called us to lead. This is how it works. This is how the head of the church has organized how the church and the home is to be led by men. So that would be a great sign that we're heading in the right direction. I think one of the great things about our church family that has been surveying our strengths of Evergreen SGV is that we got a lot of strengths. I'm so grateful. People are just naturally gracious and loving. I mean, how you guys have treated me over the first year and however many months has been phenomenal. So gracious. And, and I'm grateful for that. 
And one of the other strengths that I believe we have at Evergreen SUV is that our organization, we're, our organizational skills, our policies, our, our efficiency. I think we're strong in these areas. We know how to get things done, which is a great thing. The area that I believe we need to grow in here at Evergreen SUV is to develop the why more. Why are we doing all these things? Why are we focusing on parenting? Why are we sending people overseas? Why are we inviting people on campus? Why are we doing certain programs and certain ministries? I think we need to be clear about that. It's about discipleship. It's about fulfilling the Great Commission. And I believe we'll get more clear about the why when we focus in more on, on the who, when we get to know our Lord more, when we get to become more enamored and more in love and amazed about who Jesus is. It's going to happen. It's the who that matters. Discipleship needs to be that common thread, you know, that thread that goes as you're threading a, a, a necklace of pearls. And, and every thread is discipleship. The thread that goes through, through um, our relationships is about discipleship. The thread that goes through ministry and certain programs is about discipleship discipleship. As we develop programs and policies, it's about discipleship. As we decide our own spending and giving, it's about discipleship. As we discuss and think about what it means to be a church member, it's about discipleship. That common thread is about discipleship. And discipleship requires genuine relationships with, with Christ and with one another. This is where our Lord is moving Evergreen. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. I believe our Lord is forming a tribe of disciples here at Evergreen. Not just an elite group. I'm talking about the whole church family, the tribe of Evergreen SUV, a tribe of disciples of Christ. Let me leave you off with the good news here. Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time to preach your word. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray that we would be so enamored with you, Lord Jesus. We will love you so much that we'll love the Great Commission. We'll love the things that you love. We'll be all about discipleship. And we'll be in intentional relationships with one another to become more like your son. Lord, would you do this? Would you be so gracious at Evergreen SUV that discipleship becomes the undisputed central theme of our church? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray you bring to mind the Olsons to us today and throughout just to pray for them, Lord. Lord, I pray you are encouraging this family in a unique way right now. No, letting them know that, lo, I am with them always, even to the end of the age. Oh, thank you, Lord. What a privilege it is to preach your word. I pray your word is just working in all of our hearts right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.